Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Ruck. It's Stephen Jones from The Sunday Times here, speaking to you from our palatial studios in southeast London. Thank you for downloading us. Thank you for listening to us throughout the season. We'll be going straight through to the end of the season without a break. We've got rid of all the riffraff today. Slotty's been axed. Stuart Barnes is locked in his ivory tower. The dog man's in his kennel. Even Sarah Mockford is not wanted because we've replaced three seats in the studio with, with three thrones. We've got three of the biggest names in women's rugby and with over, I think, 200 caps between them. Catherine Spencer, welcome, Kath. Thank you. Won 63 caps for England, capped in England in the 2010 Rugby World Cup. Now on retirement, runs her own company called Inspiring Women. And she was one of the most inspirational players that there's been. She's also broadcaster, coach of old Eltemians who are fighting for promotion, Kath. That's true. Well, we won our league and we just missed out on a playoff game, but, uh, but a successful season. All Whose same, fault was you? that? Was that the players or the coach? As uh, director of women's rugby, actually, to have my proper name, posh name, I have to take all responsibility. Well, well done. OK, <laughs> but you can keep your job. Yes, I am. Yeah. Excellent. Catherine's <laughs> also writing a book and long overdue as well. You showed me one or two extracts, but the main part of it is to be crowdfunding. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, I'm using a. Uh, thank you, Steve. I'll pay you later for this little <laughs> plug. I'm okay. um, using a crowdfunding publisher called Unbound, um, and allows uh, budding, aspiring authors like myself to get to get books published, um, and have been fantastically supportive. So I'm on 71% funded. Got a little bit of money still to fund, and um, people, I'm sure, we can read out the link later. But the book is called Mud Mall Mascara give you a little hint of, of what it's about okay well i can recommend it i'm not saying that because you're sitting opposite me <laughs> I, I can recommend it because the bits i've seen have been absolutely superb giselle is your uh, surname got a long a or a short a Mather. Okay, Giselle Mather, I've only known her for about 20 years, but I just found that, <laughs> found that out, uh, had 34 caps for England as, as a back, and in the time when they won the Rugby World Cup in 1994, I think probably you didn't see much ball, because weren't they not a real forward-based team? It was an interesting final to, yeah. to, to beat Americans who had outstanding backs. We yeah. needed to uh, show the technical differences in the front row. You beat, what, you mean, <laughs> yes. what you mean is you beat, you beat them up? Something like that. I remember that, yeah. Um, proper rugby, since then, <laughs> Since then, Giselle's coaching career has been stellar. You coached England at the 20, the backs coach for the full, the full England team. And I've got a great long list of tributes here. You coached Teddington Antlers. They were the National Junior Vars and Senior Vars champions. This is the men's team, 2010-2011 at Trickenham. Three successive promotions and were once unbeaten for 63 games. Do you think actually you somehow missed your calling? Because you should be the head of world rugby and the coach of the England men's team at the moment. And now coach of Wasps ladies were knocked out narrowly after a great two-leg playoff in the semi-final of the Tyrrells Premier 15s. Did you have time off amongst all that for the kids or did you just neglect them? Uh, no, they were kind of brought up along along the uh, side of a, of a pitch. Okay. I remember um, Jasper, my eldest, was running the line for Teddington. He used to do that. Um, 
just youngsters around. I remember in one final we had um, when I was coaching Teddington, somebody came up to me and said, are you, are you happy that your daughter's there? And I turned around and she's a gymnast. And at the time she was seven years old, she was at the top of the rugby posts having <laughs> climbed up there. And it was my husband's responsibility to look after the kids at that moment in time. Okay. And uh, so straight away was like across there and yeah, that's fantastic. I think it's time you come down. So down she comes and I'm looking for my husband going for goodness sake. It's your job today. When so you when you coach at, at London Irish, it was their, their academy. Yes. Um, the, you you very much went for a holistic thing. You, you always saw it as more as these young lads are coming through that were good at rugby, but maybe not good at life skills and all that. And you always thought it was your job to to be holistic with them. Absolutely. Um, I, I'm a massive believer in better people make better players, and under pressure situations, and and you know, just if you look at the Tyrrell Premier Fifteen final there were so many moments of pressure in there. Now, if you have people who can't do things for themselves, who can't um, think about uh, you know, how to solve different problems in their own lives, so to speak, how do they do it on a rugby field in, under that kind of pressure? Sure. And it's about um, you know, my whole coaching thing is, yes, obviously the technical, the tactical, all of that, but it's also about people and about how you prepare them for those particular moments and, and how to cope with adversity, how to cope with triumph without it, it over overseeing, you know, and losing perspective. And I think that's a it takes a long time. It's it's a developmental thing and every opportunity there is learning situations in for young athletes. So that's very much what I was about at Irish. Our, our final guest and she's in the chief throne. Um, <laughs> think when you when you win one cap for your country, it must be absolutely fantastic. When you win twenty or thirty, when you get your fiftieth, it must be just miraculous. When you get your hundredth, well, that's absolutely ridiculous. When you got hundred and thirty-seven, <laughs> it must be tiring for a start. Rochelle Clark, you are the most capped England rugby player of all time, as as we well know. How many of those 137, if I if I threw out some random questions, would you be able to remember? Oh, I'll give it a good go. If not, I'll uh, remember it how I, I think I remember it. Uh, certainly, I'd say, you know, uh, probably remember 100 of them, I guess. Uh, but a few blend in, you know. But, uh, yeah, I, I can probably remember most, i say. In common with the other two, you've, you've been an excellent coach Chesham Staggs the men's team that you coached for how many years four or five seven seven years, years now, yeah. uh, finished third in the table yeah they've had a fantastic season I also coached the ladies team as well and they've done really well mm-hmm. um, finishing the t- their highest finish fifth so it's been a it's been a great season all round and it's you know something I'm really really passionate about and hope to pass on the skills that I've learned and give them the best learning environments they can be the best they can be when um, um, I saw you at the at the Women's World Cup in Dublin and things didn't go as well as you thought in the final I, I said whatever you do don't retire you look at me like I was a piece of <laughs> piece of dirt because you had no intention of it is that still is that still the case yeah I've always said it'll be the coaches that uh, have to put me out to graze rather yeah. rather than me choosing you know passion still there unfortunately I'm getting older but um, certainly my move to Wasps this year has reinvented me as a player and I've, I've mm. loved every minute and do you mean you, mean you needed better coaching <laughs> uh, uh, different type of coaching uh, yeah, yeah uh, Giselle's ways are, are very different and uh, certainly get the best out of me. So I'm, I'm really grateful to to Giselle and all the Wasp girls. They've uh, they've helped me develop this season. We're all obsessed in the media, Rocky, with with with, with milestones, etc. You're on one three seven. Do you know uh, that? You, I mean, obviously you know that there are only three people above you in the history of the game. Is that some sort of target for you? 
I mean, uh, I, I will name them: Richie McCaw, Brian O'Driscoll, and, and and George Gregan. You're up there with those three, and deservedly so. Uh, it's not a bad uh, few names to be associated with. Um, one of the most proudest things I'm proud of with my caps is uh, being the most capped front row player um, mm. so if 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 I finish on 137 that, that's a great uh, thing to finish on but if I get any more you know I'd be it'd be wonderful um, I, I love playing for my country and and you know I hold on by my fingernails if I could uh, to play one more time so we'll just uh, we'll just see what, what they have in store okay and um, Kath do you, do you always find Rocky inspirational or was you when, when you were captain, was she a pain in the backside for what? Um, Both I'm sat mate. next to her. If I can swap, swap place with Giselle, I'll tell you the, what I really think. But I'll, uh, no, no, absolutely. Rocky was... I kind of looked above her when I first got into the elite squad because Rocky had been in there, I think, about a year before me. I'd come up from the academy. Really? I did, yeah. 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 And um, and she was brilliant. She was really welcoming. I was terrified. I was just yeah. this girl from Folkestone. I shouldn't be there. No one knew me and all this kind of stuff. And <laughs> I think Rocky used to come with a green giant because I had my bright green Folkestone kit on. <laughs> um, green giant. They really welcomed me into the squad. And then, and actually moving on a few years because we haven't got ages, when I was captain, she was always someone... I quite often was a was a go-to player for me and I, I quite often talk about, you know, when you're a leader you need to use the strengths of others and, and Rocky was one of those people for me and I remember there was quite often at, at half-time in England games I'd be like, Rocky, can you be can you be my person that does the talk because I wasn't necessarily the right person for the time and, and Rocky mm-hmm. was the person that would lift everyone up if we needed it and, you know, there's some players that have got, like, auras around them sure. and uh, and Rocky's one of those players, absolutely, yeah. Giselle, what, what did it mean when Rocky came into the dressing room door for the first time this year she obviously inspires straight away but it was it was her it's she's very measured about how she is about things and then when she spots something that that is she speaks it and everyone just Mm. takes it on board straight away but it's not like a a constant constant it's she looks at it she sees it and then she's unbelievably measured and and the moment she says something everyone's taking it on board and, and moves forward and in out actually out on the field she knows exactly what's next exactly what's needed and that leads and and leads our pack and our pack have grown in stature massively throughout this season and that's a large part of that is due to Rocky so we have also got good that's banter, enough, Rocky. Rocky that's enough. and a sense of humour <laughs> which is enough. completely important as well wasn't it so, uh, God, yeah. I feel like I'm at my own funeral <laughs> absolutely that's <laughs> enough very nice thank you right hey, would later. you desperately trying to retire you no no we're not <laughs> well we're always Try to be first with the news on Sunday Times, and um, there's some big news this morning in women's rugby. Danielle Waterman, England's fullback, I think I don't think she embarrassed if I called her iconic fullback, has retired from international rugby this morning. Uh, certainly, the most one of the most astonishing characters I've ever interviewed. Uh, one of the most ebullient, um, one of the pe- people who are most willing to give of themselves in interview. That's just from a journalistic point of view. You, you've been close to a this season did you know she was going to retire and what sort of effect do you think that'll have on well the profile of the game really because she's huge yeah she is um yes i did know um because obviously as her her current coach we had long discussions about it i needed her to think about it properly from all, all angles yeah. um but she's she's a young lady as you well know who's very clear in her own mind about where she's at and I think one of the biggest things for her was that she needed to retire on her own terms, um, which is very much what she's doing. And, and, and in rugby, that's sometimes a very difficult thing to do because injury claims and, you know, all, there's umpteen other other reasons why, which doesn't always mean that you get that, that option. She's had a phenomenal season, both for England and us at Wasps. 
um, and it's it's the role that she's taken this year um, is she's now you know there's obviously a coaching knowledge she used to work down at Gloucester Hartbury and brought through a lot of players that are, that are playing now um, but it's how she she mentors young players um, how her thought process is on field and off field around that um, and she's just she's so passionate about the game but she's also passionate about others achieving um, and she's a fabulous ambassador for, for the things that she does and, and, and for our for our game both on and off the field I mean when you watch what she does with those feet it's just I, I mean half the time I don't think she knows where she's going because no, it's, sure. ju- it's just ridiculous and absolutely stunning to watch and puts the, the people that have criticism around the game when they watch that talent you you can't you can't criticize it it's no, just phenomenal and that gives the game when athletes like that and performances like she can produce and tries that she scored are are there that that elevates the game to to place it's like Portia Woodman isn't it yeah. in sevens you have somebody who who is of that ilk you realize that you're looking at elite you're watching special it's almost something like in the impact she has and you know she, she is a great ambassador but Women's rugby is not short of great ambassadors, but is she almost sort of in the Johnny Wilkinson class as an ambassador? Yeah, but I'd I'd also look at her as a as a Jason Robinson as well because yeah. she's small in stature. Is yeah. Nolly? She's mm. she's not a big player at all, but she's unbelievably strong and powerful. She's rapid, although now she always says oh, I'm not as quick as I used to be, and she's not. But what she's done is invent herself in that way although when you watch that chase down that she did on Fiona Pocock in the, uh, the semi-final she wouldn't say she wasn't rapid but she, she she's she's aware of what she needs to unlock her game and I also believe she's aware that she needs to retire from international rugby we're very fortunate she's going to be still playing for us next year which is great but she she knows she knows what she's about and she knows where, where she's at and, I, and that's another reason that I really admire her because she knows her own mind Rochelle you must have got a thousand ten thousand memories of her really but as well as when I mean, the first time I saw her play for England at fullback I thought what's that little girl doing there it must be the mascot but, uh, but I mean to defer to her she's a real tough player as well she's not, it's not just a she's not just a, a brilliant runner she's a tough player which would appeal to forwards as well as back sort of thing absolutely and when um, when I first started playing alongside Nolly she was our scrum half so she's yeah. uh, she'd scream at you she'd pack a punch she was just so strong for this like little person like you know you think as a prop you're going to run over the top of her and then you get smashed and you're like okay I need to run a bit harder <laughs> into her next time like she is so yeah such an unbelievable rugby player Giselle said dancing feet but so physical she could play back row as well she's one of my one of my favourite memories and I think Rocky might remember this we were playing against France and I can't remember if it was Six Nations or a World Cup game and there was a a ruck at the side of the pitch and quite a few bodies in there from either side and and Nolly Nolly Nolster as I call her she came charging into this ruck and all you saw was about four or five French bodies kind of rebound (laughs) off the other side of this ruck and that's what I loved you know you talk about her footwork and everything and that's what I loved about Nolly she's just so so physical when she needed to be but yeah so brave loads of energy yeah, I really remember brave. the 2010 World Cup which I, I always thought was just a massive quantum leap in terms of physicality suddenly there was Maggie and Heather Fitcher and, and all these guys and I remember that Nolly hit someone one of the Australians at the play at Carlequins and it was everyone still remembered it and that registered and I just thought that was a representative moment of the whole tournament what were you, you was she easy to handle in, when she was in the team 
Oh, Nolly, yeah, she was, she was brilliant. I mean, she was um, a bit like Rocky, actually. She's got this, like, ball of energy, but she's also very mature as well. You know, yeah. she's she's sensible. She's got a good rugby brain, and she is a good team person, as, as Giselle says. She's, you know, she communicates really well with all different types of people, I think. And um, she was brilliant. She was brilliant, absolutely brilliant in the team, you know, but she worked really hard as well. Yeah, she's know. a ball of sunshine, like, so yeah. infectious, lights yeah. up any room she goes in. Yeah, she's most of the time bouncing off the walls and then it's hard not yeah. to like when we're doing prehab and stuff she's she's doing some really stupid dancing you're just <laughs> wetting yourself at her and you, you can't help but join in or just take yeah. the mickey she's she's a wonderful when the RPA did their lift the weight campaign and I spoke to her about her trying to get back from injury for mm. I mean god it was just ferocious I mean it almost brought the tears to your eyes what what she did to get back so there, maybe there's another side to her but what you're all saying is that the side that the general public see is the real her yes it is yeah. but I but I also think that vulnerability and Nolly is you know she she bared her soul over that in yeah. order that it helps other athletes yeah that's what yeah, she, sure, she's sure. about and and there is that vulnerability in her that is part of the word the infectious word you've described it's it's not just the energy it's the vulnerability as well mm-hmm. okay well anyone listening out there who's ever seen Danielle play you can still do so for Wasp it'll be the last time for England but uh, like the, the other three in this room in this studio I've got fantastic memories as well and uh, she'd be really really sadly missed We're also speaking at newsworthy time because we're still, I was going to say reeling, but in a nice way, from the final of the um, Tyrrell's crisps. Um, and how much better that we've said all season. They're much better than that rubbish that Gary Lineker um, uh, advertises. I don't know what they're called, but that, that big eared idiot from uh, football. I've always preferred Tyrrell's myself. They sponsored the Premier 15s, which was in its inaugural year. We saw an absolutely, what I thought was an amazing final on, on, on uh, Sunday. I think maybe the coaches well, were a little frustrated. The winning coach wouldn't have been. If, that, if I was the Harlequins coach, I think I would have taken a long walk off a um, short pier because I felt they could easily have won it. But first of all, the final. Coach, you wanted to be there. No doubt you're still slightly uh, embittered that you weren't. But what do you think of it? Can you take a can you take a kind of global view of it, or is it all going to be tied up in you wanted to be there? No, not at all. Because you know the harsh reality of it is is that we've we've played Quinns four times now this season and lost them all. So there you go. There's the answer. So from from our point of view, we've got to go away. We've got to work harder and we've got to be better. Um, but we have made huge progress as a club side from where we were prior to Tyrrells to where we are now, um, and. It, that, that to be in that final was just one step too far and too soon for us. Um, watch this space, that's all I'll say on that one. But um, it, it's in, in terms of a final, it had everything that the promoters of the game would ever, would ever want, wouldn't you? And, yeah. and literally down to the last second, you still didn't know who was going to win the game. No. There were certain moments in it, critical moments as I would call them, one of which obviously being the, the scrum where right at the very end where, where Harlequins destroyed... Saracen scrum were awarded a penalty and actually you could even question that perhaps that one should have been a penalty try there and then because they were headed for the line and then Leanne Riley the scrum half took a quick tap and whizzed it now my initial reaction to that as a coach is to do what all coaches would have done put their head in their hands and gone oh my god but when you think about it the try that Harlequin scored via Holly Myers in the corner just before half time was exactly the same. Hmm. She took a quick tap, whizzed it across, 
and it wasn't dropped. On this occasion, it was dropped. Okay. Now, was that Leanne's fault that it was dropped? Did she see something? Did she feel that that was the moment? And you've also got to remember that Sari, uh, Harlequins had been on Sari's line for, for seven, eight minutes and not got across. So maybe she believed that it still wasn't going to happen. So maybe what you're saying is, had you been Gary Street, you would have been completely fine with all of that? At that moment in time, definitely not. And all the coaches that I was sat with, I mean, I was sat with, with Susie Appleby from Gloucester and Kim Oliver from Bristol. We were, all of us, like, oh, game management, game management, all the way through. And that's so easy to say when you sit up mm. in the stands. But when you think that the try that was scored there, Leanne, I mean, there were 21 penalties Harlequins had. Mm. So, you know, that's a question in itself. Sari's had 10 and, and 21 We'll come back to the, to the law, law, laws at the moment. Rochelle, first of all, your impressions of the final and also your impressions on what it's done for the women's game, the, the league itself. I think having yeah the support of Tyrrells um, has, has grown the game hugely, and the final again was a really exciting final for you know Joe Bloggs uh, watching it. It was a great game of rugby, not women's rugby, a great game of rugby, sure. and that's how we you know we, we want to keep promoting the game. It's just a game of rugby, and hopefully a, a really good one. And yeah, it went down to the wire. Um, brilliant performances from from both uh, both teams, and. Uh, understand the conditions on the day were really difficult um the wind played quite a quite a big factor in uh, in the game as well so it was hard to get out of the 22 and um i think sari's uh, managed the game slightly better um and you know credit to the cleals they were on fire that day and marley you know with that kind of back row it's really hard to stop but mm. equally you know abby scott vicky cornborough Shauna all put a huge shift in, so I saw that. I thought Abby Scott was monumental, and Shauna Brown, who I've not seen play before, was was just completely out of this world. And the other thing is, these new kids coming through. So I shouldn't call them kids; it sounds patronising. But you think, God, that girl, she looks about seventeen. They found she was seventeen. I mean, that's just absolutely phenomenal. But um, uh, Kath, um, there's been many sort of quantum leaps in the women's game. Is this another one to to have a league like that, and to be at least? professional in your preparation even if you don't even if not sort of earning money i think a focus on the club game is what was needed and yeah. i yeah. i wrote about this a couple of years ago didn't yeah, I, did. Yeah, Sunday did. Times. Yeah. it wasn't appreciated in much at the time <laughs> yeah. but you know it's, it's a step that's been needed in the game you know elite level lingley level it's you know it, it's getting there the game's growing and um apparently at grassroots we've got all these all these new players playing rugby um, but in between that the premiership was definitely the level of the game that, that needed work um, and so it needed it needed something to come in and obviously this has this has required a bit of a step change it's required um, greater support and infrastructure at club level and a lot of work for the clubs a huge mm. amount of club you know work at the clubs which Giselle will know more about it you know and there were lots of changes before this season with Litchfield going out and, and various different things but looking at the bigger picture this is exactly what's needed and you know clubs like Harlequins are putting a huge amount of resource and, and support into the women's game and that and that's got a set a base level now hasn't it that's exactly where we need to be you know and and great final year but I think in terms of spectators how many people are about 2,000 people half, there? you look at equivalent in women's football and they had like over 30,000 didn't they to their mm. their cup final so we're getting there we you know we've got less participants but we've still got you know still got a huge way to go so it was, it was a step but it you know it's okay. a step hopefully amongst many what's the key um I don't want to ask you about private media Giselle but um, what's the key to the future what's the next steps in it 
Well, I think I think there's there's a lot of issues around it. So you know, for for my if I talk about my own squad, they've gone from last year before Tyrrells to two nights a week training. Now it's three, plus they're expected to do stuff in their own in the days that they're not up at club. They're obviously there at the weekend. The performances are expected of them now because the the media is now aware of them and mm. make comment about them. Um, the disciplinary processes are all the same and the finance involved in that is the same. So there are, you know, the scrutiny, there's citing commissioners, there's all of those things going on. The players are are working ridiculously hard and holding down full-time jobs. Now, you know, that in itself is a challenge. And at the moment, with the energy and the, the, the freshness of the Tyrrells, that's all been fine. I'm looking at my squad now and, and they're tired. They are tired and obviously all rugby clubs by the end of the season are tired so they'll have their, their time off but we, we it, it can't be too long because yeah. the standards are high so we start again um, and yeah, there's still the energy and the enthusiasm but there's going to have to be a point where players don't have to do full-time. I can't see it reaching full-time completely for, for a long time mm. but I can see part-time where maybe a couple of days a week they mm. are rugby players and then they do their job Rochelle is that inevitable that that you know I, I don't know how you manage your time because I mean, you must do stuff at 3am in the morning with everything you've got to fit in but um, is it inevitable that the game can only go ahead now if there is some form of remuneration yeah it, you know, it's it's taking that step forward and we're putting on the performances but to go to the next level of course we're going to Gonna gonna need that back in, um, and it's been, it has been tough holding down a, a full time job and um, and fitting your training around it. But you know it, you do it for the love of the sport, and I think that's that's everyone everyone does that for it. So it's yeah, hopefully we'll uh, we'll start getting the reap the benefits of uh, the seeds that have been sown. But if we're, but if we're all talking about performance. To perform, athletes need time to train and they need time to rest sure. in order that that's there. Mm-hmm. And our athletes, so having worked at London Irish, they, they do their training, they do their this, and then they go, the, the time is theirs. I watch my athletes, they've done their full-time job, they come in to, to us in the evenings and then they train and then they go back. And some of them are driving long distances. Mm-hmm. Where's the rest period? Where's the time for the body to recuperate? And we're talking about raising standards, raising standards, which the Tyrrells has done because the finance is there to support me. We've got strength and conditioners and proper medical staff. But in order to go to the next level so that these players can, the catch pass, you know, you sometimes look at it and say, oh, that catch pass isn't good enough. There's a, the kicking isn't good enough. Well, that takes time. And mm. when is, is that time? And for me, that's why remuneration is necessary to buy time mm. <laughs> more than anything. Sure. It's not it's not yeah. about lacing players' pockets with, with massive finance. That's yeah. not what it's about, not making them rich through the game. It's yeah, about giving point. them time to to kick <laughs> to sure. spend the time the hours like we all know how long Johnny Wilkerson trained to kick yeah. now my players don't have that time yeah. and and right across the women's game it's a weakness in the game which you know we don't kick the ball as well some players do Katie McLean uh, mm. Daly McLean now she is uh, the most extraordinary kicker but you mm. know they're, they're rare at this moment in time and, and it's just time that we want to buy that's why match fees are not the answer aren't they at yeah. England level yeah. because it's, it's exactly that it's not about money going into bank accounts which is, mm. is nice it's about being able to be uh, you know the best you can the best be best you can be yeah. talking about good people you Fine know time. and that yeah, but okay. it, you know it will happen at some point, won't it? It just yeah. needs you know it needs more sponsorship, it needs more finance in the game. But that's starting to happen, isn't yeah. it? And that will take us to the next level. Can I ask you one question, which you may or may not want to answer? I've seen almost every well, I've seen every women's World Cup final, and I've seen the recent ones up close. 
every time you see one that's refereed by a woman, every time you see a men's final refereed by a guy, of course. Um, is that taking development too far? Because if I'm honest, and I have to be as a journalist, I didn't think the refereeing was up to scratch on Saturday. Uh, on Sunday, I thought the penalty try, which you mentioned, Giselle, was a stone-cold penalty try. And I thought the referee, under pressure, struggled to cope with it. Now, should... Um, I don't like it when we send uh, a woman to cover women's rugby. I don't see why we should do that. I don't because I cover the women's game, and I don't. I don't see why that sh- it should happen like that. But have they gone a stage too far, Kath, with referees? Yeah, I think so. I am. Um, I, I I did a rugby rant about this <laughs> a while ago. Um, referees whether they're male or female, should be refereeing the game that's appropriate to their to their standard. And I think we should, you know, it's good to encourage more referees, more coaches, more volunteers in the game, whether they are male or female. And actually, Joy Neville, I think, is fantastic. Yeah, for those people who don't know, retired from Ireland and now refereeing, referee the Women's World Cup final. Mm. Um, it's just one World Referee of the Year. Really good referee, great. But I, I do think there have been referees that have been used in yeah in World Cup Six Nations that have been pushed to a level that they're not ready for. And whether we like it or not, as females, I think as players, as referees, we're under a magnifying glass. We are. So as soon as we do anything that's not so good, the attention is attention is raised. We're not we're not you know, we're not doing stuff for ourselves, we're doing stuff for kind of womankind, if that makes sense. But I completely agree, it's gone too far. We need referees who are at appropriate level and given time. So um, we don't want to get um, be critical of any individuals here, but there's a principle at stake, surely. I think there is generally. Just because I'm a female, does it mean I get a job? No. If it's in a different thing, if just because you're male, does it mean you should get the job? No. Mm. For me, it's about being. I, I totally agree with what Kath just said. When you are in the minority of anything you have to be better than everybody else mm. to, to, to hold the right. So that that pressure is on females because we are still, in comparison, infancy of the game, sure. in comparison to, to the men. But that doesn't mean that we're any less capable or any more capable because of our gender. And I think you have to look at, at what we're actually doing and, and what Kath just said there. If the referee is good enough, they're the referee, the gender is irrelevant. When I coach, and I've been privileged enough to coach males, females, elite, club, amateur, professional, right across the, th- the board, I coach the sport, I coach the person that's in front of me, not because they're a male or female. And people mm. say to me, oh, do you do different things for males or females? No, I do what the athlete in front of me that I perceive needs at any given moment. Now, 80% of people may have stereotypical traits and 20% not but that's not to do with you know that that does that mean that I just coach 80% of people and 20% of course it doesn't mm. so do I am I different as if I, I don't go into the rugby field and think of myself as female while I'm coaching I'm sure the referee doesn't go on and see herself as, mm. as female and it's what Kath just said if you are good enough in any field to do the job does gender have an, an issue in my mind no it doesn't I never consider myself to be a female coach I am a coach and the fact that I'm female yes I might do things sometimes slightly differently but then is that stereotypical of my gender maybe maybe not you know it's it's not it's not about that and we have been refed by some females in the Tyrrells Premiership who are not good enough Mm. and I've been refed by males who are not good enough Mm. so it's not to do with gender it's to do with what Cass said experience Rocky let's just go back to one of those uh, items there at least in the game there was scrummaging 
there were some really con- controversial incidents. There were real good scrums. There was there was a time when it thought, well, sc- sc- Saracens go right on top here. Uh, the Quins came right back. Um, in the men's game, scrummaging has gone down the pan a little bit because they've got these laws about, you know, you can pick the ball out the second row. Um, the, the referees now are saying, play the ball is at the number eight's feet. Why would she, why should you have to do that? You don't have to do the ball, play it. Um, is scrummaging still still sort of sustained itself in, in, in the games that you played? I'd like to think so, as a lucid prop. I'm <laughs> playing with uh, Amy Kukane and uh, Justo, um, and it's certainly made a hell of a difference to Wasps this season um, so that, that's been a, a huge part of our game plan mm. um, so yeah I'd like to think that scrummaging is still very important and uh, and is a huge part for it in the game I think in the women's game the scrum's still used as attacking an attacking platform to Absolutely. you know run off it and so often not in the men's game it seems to be a, a platform to, to win a penalty doesn't it and that, that seems to be the difference So say what's irresistible whenever you speak to a prop you always want to know who the real beasts <laughs> that you played against who are the real good ones who maybe well you wouldn't, you're not going to admit they got on top of you I'm sure but who Never. are the real tough props <laughs> in, in all those caps um, France used to have some really really big girls and they were always really tough to scrummage against but you know, as always that's one of the best parts about being a prop is having that one on one close battle um, mm. and I relish that um, and then Sophie Hemming as my teammate for England but certainly quite a few decent uh, battles up front against each other when she was playing at Bristol mm. you know one of the toughest toughest opponents um, and then Canada are just always big there so it's hard to to be able to shift some of the some of their weight around but um you know you learn new techniques and the 2014 they were huge canadian props weren't they yeah massive and so we uh so we struggled a little bit in our last pool game me and Hemo and then there's a really poignant picture of me and Hemo head to head in the semi-final um, after we just destroyed uh, the Irish scrum and that was uh, a kind of right we're back on track that was a blip um, and it was really good they so. never change front row fours wherever they are do they <laughs> so it's, it's their own little game isn't it um, just, just I want to go through a few more quick issues now another thing where I've fallen foul of the RFU for the 6,000th time is I don't agree that you should take sevens teams away. Six Nations has taken a lot of year-on-year year effort to build up to where it is. England, um, when they won the World Cup, they all came back and they should have been available as a squad to play in the Six Nations. So all the people who turned on were turned on by, to, to rugby by that should have seen their heroes, but they all went away and, and not very successfully. Kath... Um, do they need to divide the squad up like this? I, uh, I you know, my thoughts on this, Steve. I, I similar thoughts after, particularly after 2014, the games we make, Team of the Year, Sports Personality of the Year. You know, win the World mm. Cup, finally getting some really, really decent profile, and you know, people following us over and above your, yourself, Steve. Um, mm. And what a great opportunity for the game! What a great opportunity to get, you know to market the game to get sponsorship in and and the side is completely decimated and actually I think it was one of the six na- worst Six Nations results ever in that in that year and I went to watch some of the games and it was it was it was really tough it was really tough watching that and I was I was really really angry and there's just this been this huge focus on sevens and then added to that with the contract gate and everything I I personally think it should be separate I think it's a really tough ask on the players involved as well you know they are they are different sports aren't they 15 
aside is this game for all shapes and all sizes. Sevens is a different game. Sevens has an evil amount of space on the pitch. Like it's, they're really, really different, but they're different games. And I think I think it's a really tough ask on the players that are involved. You know, the likes of Emily Scarrett. I think there should be different paths. I mean, there's not really a pathway for sevens. Um, and and I personally believe that that fifteens is the game that is our core game. You know, sure. keep talking about this. Well, yeah, for, for me. If you look at the men's game, those that play sevens, there's only one that I can name that's mm. transitioned back, and that's Marcus Watson. Yeah. It is, as you say, two completely different yeah. games. So the, the problem that we had at the beginning was the, the player base, those who are good enough, at, you know, the amount of players that were good enough to, to play. And clearly when you've got, you know, real speed merchants in the 15s, you want to put them out on the sevens. And because there's Olympic Games and gold medals at stake and all the rest of it, this is what the lure was now I think the game particularly with the, the, the materials now 600 players have had access to decent strength and conditioning and decent medical support and good coaching you've now got two separate squads that can cope and yes there are players in the sevens that I think should be in the 15s uh, there's no doubt yeah. in my mind I think they're 15s players not sevens players that are out there at the moment but that through time give it a couple more seasons we'll balance out and I think you'll get us completely separate okay, sevens good it needs to good with all due respect to our, our sevens they're not doing that well you know they managed oh, to get no. a bronze at Commonwealth yeah, but they good. performed really well, badly I, I, for a number I, I of years felt, uh, wearing Rochelle's brushes that when the World Cup was over I felt really sorry for the people all went, all went off to paid rugby whereas Sarah Hunter Tamara Rocky and all the people who laid down the foundations didn't. I just thought that was that was wrong. But anyway, that's that's just me. I'm becoming grumpy in my old age, <laughs> especially with half my face not working properly as well. A few, few quick ones. Next World Cup, you don't want to have a bad World Cup. You don't have a World Cup that doesn't work properly. Where should it be, Rocky? Maybe America would be a good good shout. But okay. I don't really know, to be honest. What? You, you can't. You you don't want it to go somewhere. It, it dies a death in terms of publicity and and um, commerce. The, the biggest support system is still France. I know that that's where we've just been. The French know how to do it and are absolutely passionate about the game. Mm. Obviously, in England, I say no because I think we would do a fabulous job of it. Mm. But I still think it's it's about moving moving that around. Okay. I think Australia. They are really now starting to invest in it and to me it would be a, a fabulous place to take it as well okay. so I think it'd be a World Cup too early to go to Australia I think we need like the TV ratings the TV viewers and I don't think we'd quite get that be a nice holiday though for us nice holiday. <laughs> America I think America's quite a good yeah. shout yeah, actually, but I think he'll be in now you come to think of, bit of a yeah. a, a nice. another general point are you delighted that there's been a breakthrough of this magnitude or are you thinking for God's sake how did it take so long I personally think uh, the it, it all started from the 2012 Olympics. Um, everyone got behind uh, female sport, and it and it just escalated from there with the cricket, and then us and football and hockey, netball, all doing so well. And I think it's brilliant that we're starting to get the following. Um, mm. And you know, women's uh, women are following women's sport a lot more as well, which is huge to actually increase ratings. Um, yeah, it's taken a bit of time, but I'm probably more of the, the glasses uh, half full, and I'm you know proud that it's starting to to move in the right direction. It's not quite there yet, but it mm. uh, it certainly is on its way. Kath, 
Yeah, I think. I mean, I think it's good because team sport generally um, is 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 struggling against other, you know, sort of fitness and hmm. boot camp type things. So actually, promoting and celebrating the increase, whether it's participation or, or profile in, in women's team sport, is great, isn't it? But it's it's part of this big movement movement that it's okay to be strong and okay to be a woman and play hmm. these play these sports. And and actually, in terms of rugby and women's rugby, the promoting the fact that yeah, it is a contact it is a contact game. You know, we shouldn't we shouldn't go away from that. You know, that's partly what you know what makes it great and and being in that team environment but yeah I mean it's pointless looking back saying oh you know we didn't have this and we didn't have that because it's irrelevant now it is about it's about moving forward as long as this momentum is is kept you know keeps going and is, is, is pushed by the right people it, for me it's about evolution so when I when I was playing I was I was considered a freak <laughs> I mean, it was right at the beginning of the whole thing and it's like you play Still rugby well, yeah well, there is that as well but yeah. you, you, you you know and I was a PE teacher as well and you know it wasn't necessarily cool for girls to play sport now it's cool and they've got role models and they've got um, you know you, you see success they can see the pathway they can see what's what's there for them if they, if they really want it um, in terms of elite level but there's also you know places for girls to go and play now and mm. enjoy themselves mm. and it's cool to do so and for me we had to do all those things first mm. I, we had to be sweeping the change rooms ourselves and living in youth hostels and doing what we did and paying my hotel bill to win a world cup you know I, that has to happen first and so I'm actually looking at all this I'm really proud of it because I know that I've had a tiny little part mm. in in promoting that and in and in seeing now you know these little faces so there were a lot of pictures after the tears of the girls with little ones and the little ones are going you're my idol and that is just amazing and you know it, it's now an accessible pathway for a female that sport can be her life I think that's just amazing I just I was at Reading Rugby Club the other day in, on Sunday morning where my my youngest coaches and uh the kids there, the youngsters, the girls, is just absolutely astonishing. The hundreds, there's no, the coach is completely overwhelmed. There's no way to start. <laughs> I can ask you two more, two questions now, Rochelle. There's been, there's must have been some hard times there with trying to life balance and and all the work you put in and the sacrifices you made. Any major regrets? Do you, do you make any wrong calls? Oh God, deep question. Um, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> I knew I'd think you would eventually. Yeah, re- regrets maybe um, not listening to my body earlier um, and would have put me in, a, in better shape. I think earlier on um, and listening, um, listening to it. Uh, biggest, best game, clearly the World Cup final, having mm. been my third final. Um, and and yeah, actually winning it was just yeah tremendous and hmm. a moment I will never ever ever forget. What do you want to do after you retire, whenever that may be, and <laughs> we're not making you retire? After re- after I retired, I want to go on and coach hi- as high level as I can. Hmm. Um, you know, I still have the passion um, and enjoy match days as much as I do uh, as a player as a coach or you know feel feel the lows as much as a player um, when you're coaching as well so yeah Kath I'm sorry I'm going to put words in your mouth I just got this thing that having seen extracts from your books at your um, one of your worst times was a bittersweet day when the girls won the World Cup in 2014 you were in the mm. studio mm. and you were clearly emotional I asked you afterwards and you were emotional for two reasons A because mm you were delighted they won and B because you look back four years to the one that you didn't win yeah it was possibly one of the toughest days of my life 
Um, retiring is really hard. It's what I always say it's the toughest challenge of my England career. And and mm. hearing about Rocky, her decision she'll cling on by a fingernails. Nolly's decision to retire on her times that her terms. Mm. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to retire on my terms. And mm. I was kind of I was kind of dealing with that. Um, and then to watch England women win the World Cup and I'd missed out twice and in 2006 three points in 2010 so I wasn't you're right I was in the studio and I literally just started sobbing at the whistle for exactly those two reasons um, so I guess regret for me um, I have to accept that the decisions I made about retiring were right mm. um, I, I find it hard to not always uh, question that decision did I do the right thing and you know when you see your team oh could I have carried on could I have been playing in there so my regret, I suppose, is that I, I sometimes feel what if when I, I don't think I should. Um, mm. So that's 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 pretty difficult. You can read more about it in the book. <laughs> okay, but things in life in general take an upward turn. Yeah, really good. You know, like I, you know, I've set up a company. I've I've done a huge amount of work with Tag Rugby Trust. We said have a female inspiration three rugby project in Zimbabwe, which is mm. really really going fantastically well. I'm really really proud of that stuff that I've done. Uh, in and around rugby which would not have happened uh, if it wasn't for my rugby career really enjoyed um, commentating mm. media work and then setting up a brand new team again in Kent um, um, you know, got married recently and uh, things are going really well in, in work and in life and, and rugby will always be a part of my life um, and it's how you balance it out in, in different ways through your life and I'm, I'm loving that journey Yourself, you've got to go with regrets first of all what, 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 where did your career go wrong um where did it go wrong no, i don't mean that no way. i know i know um regret I, I think i suppose again uh, you know that question you think about it all over the place but what you're just talking about my last game for england they didn't start me okay. so is it my regret is it it wasn't to do with me i didn't have that choice no. they, they they thought i would want to finish the game on the field well they were wrong so that, 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 that's a regret, I, I would suggest. Um, but in, in, in terms now, I, I suppose for the last 20 years, it's all been about coaching. And I, I, don't, I don't see anything as regret. I learn and learn and learn. And I think the biggest thing for me now is that to the, the quote from Rudyard Kipling around if, um, you know, from the poem, if, if you can treat triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. The reason for that is that I've had some time, so when Teddington won the junior Vars at Twickenham, what a day that was, hmm. and that will etch in, in my head. But when we won the senior, I didn't feel the same way. And I was like, well, this is better. This is the next level up. Why, and it's the following year, and we've done this, and it's, but it didn't feel the same. Hmm. Um, just, you know, those games that I win, games that I lose, and I can now have a different perspective on it and, and really holding on to that about treating the two. They are just the same. They're so close. Losing, so when you were talking about Quinn's coach wanting to run off a short yeah. pier, you know, it, it, you've got to look at it in a different way, and I think that makes me a better coach being able to cope with that and as a youngster I, I wasn't like that at all um, you, you're clearly um very very um i think anyone the rest of us can can grasp that you're clearly really really good at what what you do have you got ambitions to to be higher than was because although you wouldn't appoint a woman as you say to coach england for instance just because they're female you would want to appoint the best person what a question. Um, I feel I have a lot to offer. I feel that if I am the right person for the job at the right time, then I feel I could do a good job. Okay. Um, I would welcome 
the opportunity, but I would have to be the right person at the right time for the right job. And, okay. you know, it's, it's, that's, a, that's a, a big thing for, for me to say in that sense. I am always, I give what I'm doing at the time and, and the project that I'm working on with WASPs is, is amazing. The response of my athletes is phenomenal and the general well-being around the club has changed so much in, in all levels of it. Um, and I'm passionate about that project at the moment. Um, I may be old, but I'm also young. So there is a lot of time ahead and uh, we'll wait and see what, what, what comes along. And as I say, it's not about my gender. It's if I'm the best person for the job at that given moment. Rochelle, I think we'll let you have the last word. Um, the next single game, when's that? That'll be in the autumn series. OK. And will you be ready for that? Uh, if if required, I will be chomping at the bit. If not, I'll be in the stand miserable. But, <laughs> that's but that's I'll certainly be involved one way or another. OK. Uh, thanks to everybody for downloading and listening to us today. Um, r- women's rugby was has uh, <laughs> been a crazy uh, series of ups and downs, but mostly ups. I remember Jill Burns is still my favourite rugby hero or heroine, and I did an interview with her so many years ago that um, God, it's, in, it's in the midst of time, but um, the boom in it has been fantastic. And we've got three people here in the studio today at the Ruck who uh, have all had a massive part in that. So. Thank you to Rocky, thank you to to Kath, thank you for Giselle. And uh, we'll be back next week on Monday with Owen Slot and all that lot. Um, We'll have him back and give him one more chance. But thanks, ladies, for everything. Pleasure. Thank you.